0: so today's guest is an ed tech innovator author entrepreneur network guru he's made a career out of not letting on one put him in a box he's the founder of Hudu academy co-founder of bottega and ethos adventures and he was he's actually created the first coding bootcamp to be accredited. Not only is he successful in entrepreneurship, but is abundant in all aspects of life, I'd say. So I'd like to introduce you guys to Scott Schwab. Thanks, Hunter. Appreciate it. Yeah, looking dapper today. (laughs) Yeah, well, I tried to do my best. It's Friday. Yeah, yeah. And I'm, I'm really excited about talking to you about just everything, entrepreneurship I went and looked at all the things you've kind of done. I didn't realize you published so many work, like so many books or, you know? Yeah.
1: So I'll tell you a little bit about that because really I've, I've published two books. Yeah. Okay. But, um, the strategy from my publisher was Mm -hmm. to say, okay, you may not necessarily have somebody who comes in and buys the full book. So let's do some little publications, like maybe 10 pages total And so a lot of those publications that were uh, published by my uh, publisher is uh, just little pieces of like diving deeper into a subject. Like, for example, I was paralyzed when I was 15 years old. And one of the subjects that uh, we decided to dig into was paralysis and how that impacted me, how that caused me to think differently, and how it gave me a sense of, looking at others and taking care of them, not taking advantage of them.
0: That makes so much sense too, because one thing about you is you you kill it with networking. And I think one of the reasons why is everyone who interacts with you, there's that genuine uh, feeling that you want the best out of it for both parties in a sense. So, yeah, I I, I
1: mean, honestly, I'll be honest. I can say the thing that uh, helped me the most was being in a wheelchair and looking up at everybody else or being looked down on from people was extremely life-changing for me. And at the time, it made me squirm. It made me really uncomfortable. And I was constantly just so upset with the world and so upset with why is this happening? Why is this kind of my plight in life? And uh, I realized that the more I thought like that and the more negativity that I was drawing into my life, that honestly it was putting me into a sense where this was where I was going to remain unless I started to act better and to do better and to do more and truly look and and uh, treat people like I wanted to be treated. Like It's kind of that old adage, right? Yeah. Treat people like the way you want to be treated. But I, I've adopted that as one of my core things that's, that is important to me. And I'll tell you, sometimes you're wrong in it and somebody takes advantage of you, but and I'll tell you, generally, ninety nine percent of the time, people are going to just surprise you, and uh, you're going to be able to have a connection
0: that you never thought you'd have. How how long ago were you? How long ago was it that you were in a wheelchair?
1: Uh, Twenty two years ago.
0: No way. Yeah, that's wild. How long were you in a wheelchair for? So I was
1: in a wheelchair for three months. Uh-huh. I was in the hospital for a month. And then I had leg braces, and funny enough, I keep one of my leg braces in my office so that it always reminds me of different days. No way. But I was in leg braces for another 10 months. So it was about a year of my life, but the disease is called Guillain-Barre. Yeah. It was named after a French researcher. Um, but the, the premise of the disease is that it essentially attacks your myelin sheath, your protective coating around your nerves, yeah, and when you, that myelin sheath dissipates, your uh, nerves start to die. Wow! And so it progressive. It's you know something that ascends, you know, from your feet. And uh, so I lost essentially my feeling and my motor skills from my chest down. And uh, it was it was humbling, man. Like, my dad would shower me at night. My mom would dress me every morning. And then when I was at uh, school each day, I had to have my friends, like, button me up after I went to the restroom. Like, it was so, so humbling, man. Wow, and uh, it just changed my life. It changed the way I look at things, at people, and challenges, right? Because challenges are always going to come. But it's how we deal with them rather than you know what the challenge really is absolutely so
0: you how so you have entrepreneurship uh a background in that but how'd you how'd you go into education because one thing I was thinking about being my age talking to a lot of my friends they they've been in college or university and some of them are still in college school. It's their fifth year, sixth year, or they've graduated and yeah. still don't know what they want to do. Sure. And they end up in debt or even working in a career that was their degree wasn't in. Yeah. And talking to a lot of people my age, there's almost an anger and resentment towards yeah. traditional… The po- system. Exactly. Yeah. And it's, it's something that we've had the same structure for hundred plus years. Yeah. And now we have technology. Everyone has access to mm-hmm. the whole library of Alexandria on their fingertips. Yeah. And it still really hasn't changed. And sure. what you kind of did is you said, okay, well let's figure out a way to change it. And how did you, how did you st- Why was that a problem you wanted to solve? Yeah, great question. So for me,
1: I was one of those people whom my parents always told me, you're going to go to college. You're going to get your degree. We raised you to do that. And it was just kind of like bred into me that I was going to go to college. So I went to college, but I struggled. Like I wasn't your top student, but I found that there are certain parts of my education that I really liked a lot. Like I loved group projects. And you put me in a group project and I nailed it. Um, lecture-based classes where I could contribute, where I could speak, and where I could share my thoughts and feelings. It was like all of a sudden I came alive. But if you're going to put me in a class and my grade is contingent upon testing, I'm a terrible tester. And so I looked at that and I thought there has got to be a better way. The other thing that was really interesting to me is I uh, pursued business management. And I had my accounting classes, I had my finance classes, I had my management classes, but nothing brought it all together. Nothing. I had a capstone project to where we started a shoe company and we had factors external and internal that we couldn't plan for. And it essentially was a simulation. That was probably the most beneficial thing that I had. But I never wrote a business plan, I never really got deep into a marketing plan. So where I started was the disruption of this can't be right. Now I graduated back in 2006 and so this was kind of the start of some of those entrepreneurship programs. Your Ivy League schools already had them, some of your prominent schools already had like courses on business planning. But by and large, the landscape was pretty weak as far as what we were teaching people in becoming uh, business experts or somebody whom could credibly go start a business. So that was the first problem that I tried to solve was, well, I know a business plan and I failed enough times that I can tell you what I've learned. And so that's the first course that I architected was a course on how to teach people how to write a business plan. So Business Plan University is one of the publications you probably saw, but it used to be, of course, contained within a learning management system. So on the left side, you had your learning, and that would be like, okay, here are the details on how to effectively write a, a pitch to pitch your company, right? So you had all of the educational detail, but then you also had the practical like, hey, this is an exercise or, you know what, go and talk to five other entrepreneurs about what they put into their pitch. Yeah, And so all of a sudden it was trying to take education and spin it on its head and saying, hey, there's still good things that come from the traditional side of teaching and theory and, you know, the process of experiencing your education over a, a, a period of time. But then there's also the side of, there are experts all over this area that would be able to tell you, hey, I've sat with a hundred VCs and this is what you don't this is what you should not do, or don't do this. Some of those types of things you don't get in the classroom, unfortunately. So I'm a huge proponent of both, right? Because there is value in education. Where the value starts to dissipate is when you're sitting in class for five to six years and you still are no closer. To doing something in industry. And that's why places like Bottega exist, is because you can put a small amount of income relative to your life and uh, put it into training and you learn a skill set. And as you learn that skill set, now it's tied to industry where you can go and work. When you go and you're studying a variety of subjects, there's not always a clear directive right into industry, right? Those skills are going to help you. That well-rounded approach is going to help you. But unless you have relative skill sets that are specific in today's economy, you're going to struggle to really stand out.
0: Yeah. Uh, And for me, the reason why I loved it is I remember when I first started university and I was taking all these classes and I just was thinking to myself, there's no point in these classes. Right. And one of the things I would hear is, for a lot of the generals, it's to shape you as a person, Mm -hmm. around you as a person. But for me, I think that didn't do anything for me, to be honest. I feel like I became more well-rounded from traveling, doing the door-to-door sales, and really a life. And honestly, I think if someone wants to learn humanities, you could just go on Twitter and see how people (laughs) interact (laughs) with each other, you know? Sure. But... um, At the end of the day, now with the way society is, there's millionaires that are little kids because they're on a YouTube channel talking about toy reviews. You know, yeah, top
1: YouTuber earner, right? Exactly.
0: Yeah, what happens to you know? There's people that are in debt after university that half of their debts from generals for classes they didn't actually want to do; they weren't really interested in. Yeah, but also, what's high school for? You know, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And they're sitting with this debt and corporations can file for bankruptcy and all these things. But yeah. you can't do that with a university student. Correct. Yeah. And there's people who get degrees in something that's going to be paying them 40000 a year and they just can't yeah. pay their debt back. And at this point, with all these different platforms like YouTube and everything like that, it seems like universities are going to have a tough time when there's someone – that's on Instagram posting a photo of their abs making way more than a doctor, you know? (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And what do you feel like you think you see education looking like in the future? Well, it needs to change.
1: Uh, You and I both, I think, can agree upon that point. Um, Some of my thoughts are maybe, you know, controversial to others, but I'll tell you this. I think that all of us had... Uh, our free choice to be able to pursue what we thought was going to get us where we wanted to be. So in the first part, I think that we've got to be accountable to the debt or to the misfortune Mm -hmm. that we have to deal with.
0: Yeah. Uh,
1: Until there's a better way. And, you know, maybe Congress will forgive the student debt. Who who knows, right? Uh, We're not always going to agree with consequences that happen to us, but nonetheless, there are consequences and we need to deal with them. Um, As far as other ways to make money, there's one of my my favorite kind of sayings is um, good things come to those who wait. Right. Yeah. But it's only the things that are left by those who hustle. (laughs) (laughs) Because in my mind, these people who are on YouTube, these people who are on Instagram and they're, you know, these influencers, they're hustlers. They're getting out there, they're networking, they're putting themselves into a position to where other people like the currency which they're providing, which currency is ingenuity. Yeah. Right? It's just all ingenuity. Who's doing something different or who's doing something more? Who's providing value in their content? One of my favorite quotes is actually ubiquity is the new
0: exclusivity. Oh, I love that. And it's because content is king it it really is and i realized that we're in a really weird age where we're going to see a bunch of different jobs that didn't exist before when i was talking to someone i said yeah so what do you do and they just said i'm an influencer and i was like that's your job that's okay (laughs) Okay. and it was a real legitimate answer you know and it makes me just think about all these different jobs or what's there going to be classes and is there going to be an influencer class really just on how to just market yourself as an influencer? Because that's kind of the society we're living in today, in a sense, which is weird.
1: Yeah, and I I like your point there. And honestly, I can't say exactly what the future is going to look like. As somebody who really follows the space really closely, I think that education is going to be uh, customizable. And what I mean by customizable is you've pointed out a couple of ideas of people who are making great sums of money by doing something that is not traditional, right? Yeah. We all can open our phone and we can access information at the touch of a button. And that's amazing. But we still have, on the flip side of that, how do we actually credential somebody, right? Because you can watch something, you can experience something, but it does not mean that you can do something. And so until there's a formal credentialing pathway for people to be able to say, hey, I traveled and that's worth something because I could completely agree with the fact that because you've traveled, you're more well-rounded and you're better with people and you're going to be better at being able to accept different cultures and different ideas than maybe somebody who's never gotten out of Utah or Idaho or you know wherever they live. And so there's got to be this blend. But I would say, too, back to the idea of the um, people with uh, initiative are going to be the winners of the economy in the future, uh, because there's no uh, pathway that's necessarily correct, and there's no only one way. So that customizable journey will begin to happen with everybody and what they specifically want to accomplish, that's what's given rise to the whole boot camp space, correct? Absolutely is because there's a quicker way to get to a job and within that job you can grow. But we've also seen experiences where people exit a boot camp and they have no more skills than they had trying to go into a job that they thought was going to be the silver bullet. Yeah. right? Yeah. So it, it, there's two things that I think here. Number one, you've got to be a lifelong learner and realize, That lifelong learning is experiential, it is traditional, and it is something that has to be a little bit more on the edge of what interests you. So customizable. And if you can take those three things and you can really build upon that to a career, it doesn't matter what you're doing. You're going to be doing exactly what you wanted to do because you were in the
0: driver's seat the whole time. I love that you said that, being a lifelong learner, because... When I see someone who stops learning, and it's almost like they're kind of dying on the inside. I know that sounds weird, but especially when you're getting older and everything, the people who keep learning are usually sharper minded than someone that's just going to retire and doesn't care. Generally, a lot of the time is what I think. Um, One thing, the question I wanted to ask you is, you know, you said about the people who just leave the boot camp. And usually these are the people that didn't really put that effort in and yeah. that hustle. Yeah. And people will probably leave bad reviews when they're like that. Right. Yeah. And I I realized for me, forever I was reading books on entrepreneurship. I was doing all these things, but I was never actually doing it. Yeah. So I started my little resume business for helping software developers, you know, write resumes. And I would just get five star ratings, five star ratings. So over being trying to be overachiever I was doing a little extra Yep. and I got my first bad review and it was 4.5 out of five stars I was just so sour I was like wow how dare you You (laughs) just ruined my perfect five star sure sure. how do you handle that because I was so I was so my ego just whoa
1: yeah it's demoralizing and there's no easy way to say You suck. (laughs) Like, I remember getting uh, my first one star review on on my book. And it was like, You suck. This is the worst book. And you are trying to talk on a subject that you know nothing about. So I was just like, Wow, tell me how you really feel. But I've learned to take uh, criticism in such a way where you can learn from criticism. Right. Yeah. If we choose to, we can learn uh, precisely what another person feels, thinks, and what their emotions are. And granted, you can't always reason with somebody. Uh, it's just not every every person can't. You can't reason with them. But what I have learned is this: is perspective is reality. So a person who has a perspective that this is a waste of time or this is a shortcut to success or this, whatever it might be, you fill in the blank, their perspective is actually what their reality is. And that's Mm -hmm. how they're going to live. That's the choices that they're going to make. And unfortunately, all of us have to have that tough love wherein we get into a scenario where we may have overreached, we may have not worked as hard. And in our heart of hearts, I think that we know but we never want to face that. And that's why accountability is so big to me, is because we own our thoughts. We own our words, we own our actions. But what we don't necessarily always uh, earn or own is uh, our character. Because our character, if you work backwards, comes from habits that come from our thoughts, our words, and our actions. And if we don't manage our thoughts, words, and actions, that's what becomes our habits. So if we're not managing what's up here and what's right here, our heart and our mind, what actually happens is those become habits. And those habits eventually become our character. And I'm sure you've had the experience where you meet somebody and they're just so unreasonable. But they're like, this is just who I am. Absolutely. Just accept accept me for who I am. <laughs> and it's like, wait, 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 wait. Like you had a chance to change and you still can change. But you're unwilling to because you think that what you've been given in life is what you should accept. And so I I really think that people should challenge the status quo, but mostly inside of themselves. What have you been taught that you think is just, this is the way that it is? Because I would dare say that nothing is really set in such a way where you can't make a change or an improvement in something, especially yourself.
0: How do you, you know, I have friends some are really motivated, some are, and I've never had a problem with motivation, Sure, you know, where I don't understand why people are afraid to put themselves in a maybe uncomfortable situation mm-hmm. or, uh, you know, go to a different job because it might lead to a better career path. I'll have friends that it seems like they're almost too scared because they, they don't deserve that higher success or something, or they're maybe scared of failure, it might be. But how, how do you change their mindset and be like, listen, you could be doing a lot better in your life, but all you have to do is make that change. Yeah. You, you bring up a really good point, and, and part of it is just
1: learned behavior. Because when we're talking about how somebody responds to something, there could be a lot of emotion packed into that. Like one that I I had to overcome myself is money is the root of all evil, right? Money is not the root of all evil. Money can do some very good things. We've just seen in cases where it's been misused. Doesn't mean that you're going to necessarily misuse it. Mark Zuckerberg. (laughs) (laughs) But you've got to be the type of person who can pragmatically look at yourself and look at a situation and challenge the status quo. You've got to be able to say, Well, this is what my parents taught me. Do I believe it or do I not believe it? Or because this happened to me, this is how I feel, but I need to challenge that. And so I, I'm a huge proponent of people taking a very real look at themselves and not only doing that for themselves, but having trusted mentors and advisors who are around them who aren't going to be that person who coddles you like, Oh, I. I bro, I totally understand how you feel. You're totally justified. And it's like, come on, grow up. Like you've got to have somebody that can say, yeah, you're an idiot. You're wrong, you know, or yeah, you made the wrong choice there. And I really feel like this world would be a very different place if all of us willingly accepted accountability for our thoughts, our words, our actions, and managed our life based on you know, what's right for us, but also doing it in a way where we're not trying to take away from others, you know, and having a true
0: care for uh, others. Absolutely. I think it's really important to not have a victim mindset about yeah. everything. I remember you know, years ago I would feel like everything was everyone else's fault. The reason why I'm in this situation or this is everyone else's fault. And then right. finally I, I think once I made everything my fault, sometimes it'll be down to even things where it has nothing to do with me. I'm like, that's my fault. Yeah. You know, um, it's really changed my life completely. Yeah. It's put me further in life than probably anything, honestly, doing that. Yeah. And it kind of has boiled down to changing my habits and changing my mindset. And I saw that you, one of your publications was on habits. Yeah. What, is one of the weirdest habits you have. Yeah, oh, I
1: am so OCD. Really? But yeah. So when I first got married yeah. and my wife would fold clothes, I refolded every... No yeah. way. Crazy, huh? Wow. I refolded everything. And here's the other thing that is so weird about me is uh, things for me have to be... I'm right-handed. Yeah. So when I pull a hanger to the right, I've got to see the front of my shirt. And my wife doesn't always do it that way, right? Yeah. And so I'm like, gosh, so I, I'll take it and then I'll take the shirt off and I'll put it on what I think is right. And it's not right or wrong, but a habit that I have is just having everything folded in a very specific way, everything lined up by color. Like if you go into my closet, you'll see blues, reds, browns, like everything's organized for me so that when I wake up, get out of the shower, I walk into my closet and I know where everything is. And it's an OCD trait, which isn't necessarily a good trait. um, But at the same time, it is something that keeps my life in balance. Mm -hmm. And I don't have to put a lot of cognitive energy into what I'm going to do or where I can find something. Like I'm a very structured person. I hang my keys up same place every night because i don't want to be looking for them the next day yeah yeah and so it's it's more of a response to how i know myself but uh that habit i i've tried to break it and i've tried to break it and in some things i can be like just breathe scott it doesn't it does not matter but at first it was a huge adjustment for my wife and i because she's like why do you refold everything why don't you just fold it and I'm like, I don't have the time. And she's like, well, just accept the way I fold it. <laughs> and so it's just one of those funny things that we have. But yeah. it was very habitual for me to do things a very structured way. Um, and that goes to some of my OCDs. But uh, with children, I've had to kind of lay off on some of those. But yeah. uh, still to this day, you will see my closet very structured, like
0: I said. Wow. <sighs> so so what, what's one habit you'd recommend everyone do?
1: Uh, you know, speaking of habits, I do, I do want to recommend a book. Mm-hmm. Uh, Charles Duhigg he wrote the book, The Power of Habit. Every breathing individual in this world should read that book. That's on my reading list, You've actually. You've got to read it, man. It really goes back to the behavior and how you establish a habit, but then how to reverse that behavior and put something in new. So
0: to get rid of a mm-hmm. habit.
1: Yeah. Wow, okay. Because we all need to get rid of some of those bad habits. I've but... got a few I can think of. Um, For me, the the most powerful habit that I feel like I have is every morning I wake up and I read. It gets my mind going. And uh, rather than going straight to my phone or straight to the problems of the day, I go to what is opportunity. Because what you read in a book is all opportunity. You'll have thoughts, you'll have reasoning, you'll have, you know, even what I'll call inspiration on certain things that you're going through in your life that may be represented in a story or may be represented in some type of a, you know, narrative. And it's like, man, that actually applies to or applies to my life. And so I, I would say, get up and read. But um, don't be one-dimensional in that I feel like the power to success is being able to have spiritual, physical, mental, and social dialed in. And so um, I think that everybody should do something mental, physical, social, and spiritual every day. And so uh, my therapy, what I call my therapy, is when I go to the gym. So after I've read, I go to the gym and I work my body. But that's also a social environment for me. So I get to talk to people whom I've known for. I've gone to the same gym for 11 years. So I talk to people. I love to see people. And
0: it's a social experience. I love that you say that because there's so much. You got to hustle, hustle, hustle. And that's all you do. Just put your head down, hustle. When I was in Montana, I lacked so much of the social. So I'd work out with headphones in. And I'd work in the day, and then I'd go study at night. Oh, my gosh. This is how you know your mind wants something social – I would start talking to myself, like joking around and I'd make my, I'd crack myself up. like, Oh, you're so funny. But yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'd wake up in the morning and be like, look at myself in the mirror. Like, yeah, let's do this. And it was so funny because I, I really started doing that. And now I still kind of do it, talk to myself a little bit and like out loud when I'm in the grocery store. And someone's was like, are you sure? talking to me? Like, no, 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 I'm talking, talking to myself. <laughs> but I, you're really abundant in every area. And, I think because of social media and these big influencers and entrepreneurship, people think you have to burn out, yeah. you know, and I, I would say that when you're that way, where you you have everything abundant, it makes everything better. Oh yeah. You, you know, your business, you think more clear, you can learn better. And I, I, that's one thing that kind of drives me nuts is you don't have to hustle all the time. You right.
1: Know? Well, you gotta do what's right for you and only you know you. And so for me, I've gotta have relaxation. I can't be uh, bothered at all hours of the night um, with questions, challenges that I just dealt with for the last 10 hours. So for me, I've gotta be able to have some time where I just totally relax. And it's hard. It really is hard for people who can't uh, just shut off their minds so easily. But you've got to be able to find a way to find relaxation and find and do the things that you enjoy to do. And, you know, be open to finding new things that you like to do. Like uh, last year I went mountain biking up at uh, Sundance Mm -hmm. where you ride up the chairlift with your bike. Man, I, I didn't even know that I liked mountain biking so much, but it's now something that I really look forward to. So don't be afraid to find new hobbies and put yourself out there. That's part of the joy of networking is meeting people who are like, "Hey, you want to go paddleboarding?" Didn't know I like paddleboarding until I went. Yeah, you know, and like, there's just there's certain people I think placed in your life to pull you into a new way of thinking and to put you in a position to where you can have new things to enjoy, and uh, that's what I enjoy about networking is just the exposure to new people
0: new ways of thinking and new activities. So t- 2018 had to be a huge year for you. Yeah. Huge year. I, I remember first seeing Bottega in that little basement. Now you have how much it's expanded. Yeah. It's accredited. What's 2019 going to look like for you?
1: Yeah. Great question. So uh, we've been working on a, transaction for nearly half of 2018. And I can speak about the transaction because it is finalized, but um we're buying a university.
0: What? Yeah. No. Yeah. Way. Yeah. What? That's crazy. Yeah. You're buying a university. Yeah.
1: Wow. So uh, part of our strategy will be to help people who either come through a boot camp and may not necessarily have a pathway forward. Part of our accreditation strategy from the beginning is to be the in-between of traditional and non-traditional learning, right? Yeah. That's why we went after college credit, so that someone who goes through a Bottega boot camp can actually receive both a certificate of competency, not just completion, Mm -hmm. and college credit as recommended by the American Council on Education. And so we can give up to, uh, ACE recommends 15 credits, college credits, for the boot camp. Um, But we've articulated with like CSU Global out of Colorado, they'll give students 24 credits. Wow. And that's a whole year. Yeah, that's insane. Now you're starting to think, okay, well, now I have the skills to go and work. What else, can I, uh, what else can I accomplish? And the university that we're buying has a CS degree. And so we just feel like the reverse engineering of education can happen in a lot of different ways. But can you imagine someone being able to come in, take a boot camp, and then to be able to get into a job and then take classes online as they deem necessary? Because you never know when you want to pick up a new skill or when you are held from a promotion because you don't have the piece of paper. Well, if you like the culture and you like the job enough, you want to get the degree, but you don't want to go back into a traditional way of doing things. And so uh, with this structure or with this purchase, we'll be able to really provide a lot of pathways to not only a degree, but to meaningful work and to do it in shorter segments of intensive learning. So we're really uh, poised to change the stackable credential pathway for people to get to work and have meaningful work. And to do it within a, uh, a pay structure that doesn't break the bank for anybody.
0: Yeah, you're really just disrupting education. And there's probably so many people out there that are so grateful for you Doing that that you have no idea about, you know that's just that's insane. That's so cool. Thanks. That, yeah. Wow. That's wild. I didn't. I didn't know you were doing all that.
1: Yeah, and uh, the other big thing that we'll have is we'll have more students outside of the U.S. by next year than we will in the U.S. And uh, that's, a, that's not a part of the transaction. That's just a part of the growth for Bottega. Wow. But we are estimating about 3,000 students coming from outside the U.S. just next year. What are some of the countries? Uh, Mexico, Spain. Um, we're going to have a fair amount in Europe. And then Asia is a, a large market
0: for us. That is so wild. Yeah. That is insane. Um, yeah, so to end the podcast... Um just want to say if you have anything you'd like to promote, you know, obviously Bottega, but is there anything else? Yeah, I,
1: I mean, I would tell people to be true to themselves, right? Because yeah. you, you, everybody has their own pathway, but start thinking in such a way where you can customize your learning, you can customize your experience, and don't be afraid to do that. Uh, Two of the greatest motivators are love and fear right mm-hmm. get rid of fear and replace it with love although we're still going to be driven by some of those unknowns or some of those uncomfortables or really some of the fear category and i would just say deal with fear as quickly as you can get past it move forward and start learning how to work in love not so much from a romantic love or not so much in in a love that um, puts you into now another category of being uncomfortable, but maybe just doing good to yourself and doing good to others. And, uh, by doing that, I think you're going to find that it opens up so many doors for you, whether it's education, whether it's relationship, whether it's industry, whether it's, you know, whatever it is, like we can always improve, and that's my constant goal is to always just become better and I identify that on a yearly basis I'm one of those weird people that I write my goals on my mirror at the first of the year and the ones that change are my monthly and my uh, weekly goals but my yearly goals they don't change and I'm finding that I'm getting more and more experienced at uh, meeting those goals because I know the process I know how my mind thinks. I know how to push myself. And I can push myself to get results on a weekly basis or if something takes a little bit bit longer, a monthly basis. And I don't always meet my weekly or my monthly goals, but um, I haven't missed a yearly goal in about three years. Wow. So it's powerful because I think that we can all rise above who we are or how we think, but we have to constantly get into a habit of pushing ourselves to do more, to think more, and to give more.
0: Wow. I love that. So if someone that who's listening wants to know how to start coding or is yeah. interested in bottega, yeah. where do they go to yeah. check it out?
1: Yeah, uh, great question. So you go to bottega.tech and it's spelled b-o-t-t-e-g-a dot t-e-c-h. And all of the information is provided right there. Um, or, you know, feel free to give give us a call. I mean, our number is listed right there on the website. So people can call in if they have questions. And, uh, again, I, I'm not opposed to connecting with anybody. If you want, you know, to connect personally, I always uh, respond to every one of my LinkedIn messages. Um, I'm on, you know, Facebook, Twitter. And What's your
0: handle for Instagram? Twitter and Instagram. Is it? All of
1: them are uh, at Schwab Scott.
0: Okay, awesome. And is that, how, how do you spell it? Yeah,
1: S-C-H-W-A-B-S-C-O-T-T. Uh, one just, uh, no spaces.
0: Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Well, um, yeah, thanks for being on the project. and <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate it very much. Yeah, thanks for being here for me. Hey, no problem. All right. Hey, okay, see you, buddy. Awesome.